This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Diane Yarwood, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is kind of like a take two, isn't it? Yes, we tried to... <laughs> How long ago? Six weeks or something? Yeah, six weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's before I became unwell. Was Ooh. that right? Yes. Well, well, I, I went to uh, overseas for a month for my son's wedding in all of June. So Where it was did you go? That. Uh, he was married in Italy, in oh, Tuscany, because he lives in London. beautiful. Uh, so we... Paris, London... And we were actually in Puglia, which is on fire at the moment. Oh, and did you miss the heat and the crowds? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Well, how lovely. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was at RPA for a few weeks. Oh, I'm sorry to hear (laughs) that. For a few weeks. Yeah, for two weeks. Looking so well now. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely perfectly uh, fantastic. Uh, And then I got home and then it was six weeks after that. So I've only been back... I think this week and last week. Anyway, but I'm good. I'm really good. (laughs) All right. Now, let's talk about the book. Firstly, let me introduce you. Diane worked in accounting and corporate advisory in London and Sydney. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) Are they not polar opposites <laughs> to writing? Right. It's actually quite funny, isn't it? It's so, so separate. Was, I did actually get a link in one chat. I had, um, I really like patterns. Right. So even though I did, it was an incorrect career choice and it took me a long time to turn it around, but um, I loved the, I, I quite like the patterns in maths. So I, was, I was good at maths and I also uh, love music. I played the piano, oh, yes. and for me, right, my writing. I like it to be quite rhythmic. So like, I'm connecting them There's that a way. Connection. There's a do connection. Do you know Tony yeah. Jordan, or do you know? Oh Oscar? yes, I have. I've, I've done a few uh, bookshops with Tony Jordan. Yes, because yes. she's it's similar with her. Because wasn't she, she wrote edition, didn't? Yeah, it was yes. about maths. And yeah, she's, I, I love. That, yes, yeah. she, it's about maths, but also yeah. I think she was a, a chemist or something. Yes, hers you know, is very different. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway, okay, she also nurtured a love for cooking and catering. Oh, okay, we've mm. got something in common, love cooking. Mm. Been making sourdough since way before COVID, Ooh, I might add. Um, at the age of 40, with three young children, she became very ill and her life was saved by an emergency doctor. Oh, my God, we've got so much in common. <laughs> oh, we yes. talk about that. Yes, that happened have. to me recently. Yes. I was here interviewing uh, Geraldine Brooks live in the office and I said to Jane, Jane, I've got to go to emergency. It came on that quickly. I hadn't been well all week, but it it was only a week. It was only a few days. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay, we can share our stories. This brush with mortality. Oh, my God. It's it's everything I've experienced. Mm. This brush with mortality gave her the courage to do what she's always wanted to do right. Diane lives in Sydney with her husband. So this is her first book. It's called The Wakes, and it explores themes around life, death, relationships, and letting go of the past. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Wow. Mm. So tell me your brush. 
gosh. Let's start with not being well. Oh, okay. Um, so it happened when I was 40. Uh, uh, I got wow. three children and my youngest was – and I started becoming very, very tired. And mm. I thought, oh, well, I've got three children. When my youngest goes to school, I'll get back on top of my life. And mm. and that didn't help. I just kept getting worse. And uh, Because it, tired is nothing – that's what happened to me. I mean, yeah. you know, people kept saying, oh, why didn't you go to the doctor? Well, I mean, I'm a lot older than 40, but – Aren't we always tired? Yes, but what I learned through the whole experience is that we shouldn't be tired. Right. I yeah. think we we accept tired more than we should mm. um, and don't investigate it. Mm. Um, in hindsight, we now know that I, I was suffering from a rare autoimmune disease called Addison's disease, which attacks your adrenal glands, and your adrenal glands give you the energy to live, basically. Mm. So that was happening, and gradually I was being sapped of the physical and mental energy mm. I needed. Mm. and To raise children. Yeah, to raise children, just to, to do work. anything. Yeah. And your adrenal glands regulate your water and salt. So when your salt f- falls to a low level, you become become very nauseated. So mm. what happens is you have this gradual tiredness. I, I started seeing my doctor mm-hmm. quite a lot. But then what happens is your uh, something happens, a stressful event or a virus, and your brain calls to your adrenal glands for extra cortisol to deal with this event. Because your adrenal glands are pretty much not working at this point, you, your body goes into a sort of shock because a, a, a message isn't answered. Mm. So that happened to me and that's when you go into what's called an Addisonian crisis. Someone said it sounded like I was a Jane Austen character mm. in a black bonnet on a bed, you know, it's Addisonian crisis. And that is what kills you uh, and it takes about six weeks. Now, I went into that and that's and when... And were you at home? When did it happen? I was How at home. I was at yeah. home. So that at that point, you become seriously unwell. You, you go from seeming to have chronic fatigue, mm-hmm. which is what it was being re- explained as. If, you know, I'd seen a few doctors. It, you go from that feeling to, to something much more serious. Mm. And But because it's crept up on you, everyone around you has a level of acceptance mm. So my husband felt very guilty in the end because we just accepted that that's how I was, mm. stopped being able to care for my children, stopped sort of eating. Then I got to the crisis point. Mm. One weekend, I actually started hallucinating mm-hmm. because you're, you have, you're, the low salt creates an excess of fluid in your mm. body, so you get fluid on the brain. Mm. And on the Monday morning, so I'd accepted I was dying. I'd seen specialists. I'd had tests. A girlfriend had had cancer twice. Well, she wasn't a girlfriend then. She'd just seen me in the school playground. She knocked on my door, a stranger, knocked on my door, pretty much a stranger, and said, I can't watch you any longer. I want to take you to emergency. So this person I really didn't know took Mm. me to emergency. But because my symptoms were mental fatigue, physical fatigue, nausea, sleeplessness, depression, because Mm. I wasn't sleeping and I felt sick all the time, Mm. um, you triaged. I was triaged very low down. I sat there for three or four hours and rang my husband to take me home. So Mm. in my head, even emergency wasn't an option. Mm. I felt that I'd used every possible option to work out what was Mm. wrong with me. So I was was giving up really. But in the sense that I was just too sick, I didn't Mm. want, and so mentally fatigued, I didn't really think about what it meant for my children because I lost a mother when I was young. So, Mm. but anyway, I rang my GP at eight o'clock on a Monday morning, very bland and said, Paul, I will die today. Mm. what is there anything left to do? And it completely freaked him out, I think, the tone in my voice. And he said, you have to go to emergency. And Mm. I said, well, I've already been there. Mm. And he said, no, you have to go. Mm. And 
incredibly lucky thing for me. The doctor uh, there had seen it once before. So my friend whose brother ran the SAN emergency said if I'd gone there, he would have missed it. So mm-hmm. she started to work it out, took about four or five hours, but I'll never forget the moment she leant down to me. I was sort of in a fetal position and she leant down and said, I think I know what's wrong with you. Mm. And that feeling. And the thing with Addison's disease is the treatment is to give you an intravenous injection of steroids. So I went from knowing I was dying, accepting I was dying, fully prepared for it, to brought back to life within minutes and better than I'd felt for a couple of years. And it's a chronic disease. I take medication every day, but that feeling, that juxtaposition of life and death mm. is really what I wanted to write about. It's never left me, I sort of seeing it as blessing. Mm. It, it, it changed my life in it's a good so way. It's amazing how you accept it, you know. That's what happened to me, but mm. I wasn't unwell for that long. Mine mm. was a fairly short period mm. and I went to emergency. I was there for 24 hours mm. in emergency mm. and for the first half of it I was screaming. <gasps> um, oh, it's terrible. You reach shocking, yeah. shocking, yeah. shocking, yeah. shocking. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time I got into a chair, not a bed, mm. I had a chair. Oh, yes, that's yeah. right. I was like, okay, well, I'll just go with it. Like mm. I, I, my sister was with me and at one point um, a guy came up, a surgeon came up, a doctor, and said, you know, it's I've just looked at your bloods. It might be something to do with your gallbladder, so we will have to take your gallbladder out. And when he walked away, this is how naive I was, I said to my sister, over my dead body. <laughs> and then we got to that. <laughs> you got to that. But it's amazing how you just deal with what you've got to deal with at the exactly. time, isn't it? You I, just, I was dealing you don't with it in that moment. You just think, okay, yeah. let's, let's... This is my plight. This is my, yeah, yeah, that is... Yeah. And it, I don't know about you, but it's left me... I, I do not... I'm not afraid of dying. No, I don't I'm know afraid of being really, really sick, sick for a period of time. Yeah. I don't like that thought, but the actual dying... Do you know yeah. another thing I thought of, and I've spoken to my girlfriends about this, Like, so there's a group of us that have grown up together. Um, mm. We all went to... Well, one of us was primary and the other's high school. So there's five in the group. And, you know, not that I've ever been morbid or anything because I'm a mm. very up person. Same here. I yeah. am too. Yeah. But, um, you know, over the years I've thought, I wonder which one of us will go first. Mm. I have thought about mm. that. And then when I was in hospital, I thought, oh, it's me. Oh, it's me. <laughs> oh, it's me. Yeah. And yeah. that was a moment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the one of us. Yeah. Because statistically that's going to happen. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, with the, my um, mother died when I was 17 oh, and she died of gosh, breast cancer wow. and, and my grandmother died of breast cancer oh, in her 30s. So my got the BRCA gene? No, we don't. We... we Actually, it, it came out that we were just unlucky, that, oh, that, that wow. there's a certain percentage of women that gets breast cancer and we just happen to have wow. both in our family. But That's for so a long terrible. time, we didn't think that way. And partic- I've got two sisters, but my oldest sister is 18 months older than me. And, and we both had this thought, well, we're not going to live very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And we didn't think it morbidly, but I just never mm-hmm. had in my head that I would get old. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So It's interesting, isn't it? So yeah. then you're doing a very boring job. <laughs> Yes. Well, I'd actually given it up largely. I I, finished... I so don't understand numbers. I don't. Yeah, I just yeah. don't. I, if you I know, open the a word... spreadsheet, it's yeah. like it's another language. Well, yeah, it may quite... as well be in Italian. Yes. Well, I quite like a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, they like That's where we're not similar. Yeah. I I gave up work when I got pre- when I fell pregnant with my first child, yeah. and my husband thought he ha- I was a career woman. Yes. Um, and <laughs> until and you I'd, I'd, been, I'd given all those indications, <laughs> but I fell pregnant and just 
really embraced the whole motherhood thing. Yeah. I just loved it. And okay. I and were you a helicopter parent? No, I no, I wasn't. I, no. I must admit, uh, except when it came to English essays, I yeah. just muscled. <laughs> Couldn't help Just myself. one helicopter moment. Couldn't yeah. help myself. It was awful when yeah. I think back on it. Um, but I did some part-time work, but really I was just over the whole corporate thing. It just seemed meaningless to me mm. when I, w- I was home with children. So for my but for my fulfilment, I got into cooking and I did it obsessively. Mm. I, I, uh, I would go to bed f- at night dreaming oh. of what I'd cook for dinner the next oh, night. Oh, I do that every oh, night. My friends, my friends thought I was weird. Yeah. Well, do yeah. you know, even when I came home from hospital, all I wanted to do was make pastry. Mm. <laughs> it was just mm. like, so I'd wake mm. up, at, I'm an early riser, so mm. I would make mm. pastry and freeze it mm. and that's by seven o'clock. Mm. I've had a... Oh, <laughs> love it. Well, I used to say, so when I was stirring something on the stove, I felt a strange sort of peace. Yes. Um, it is very therapeutic. Very therapeutic. Coring. And it's and giving. It's, yeah. a, it's an act of giving. Uh, I made an apple pie on the weekend. Coring and peeling and slicing apples, like two mm. kilos. I mean, how... Well, see, you're a sweet cook. I was very much a savoury cook. I do both. Yeah, I do started savoury. Yeah. yeah, and I've yeah. got a Lebanese background, so oh, I make wonderful. stuff I, love, I, I had a Lebanese tabbouleh. friend for a while, and yeah, I got, yeah. all the, got all the... Um, yeah. Not for a while. She's still my friend, but um, she taught me a lot. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, no, I do both. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really that took up a lot of my spare time, yeah. and I can I tell I'm going to tell you a, a cooking story. I'd, I'd be curious to know what you think. Many years ago, this is going way back five or six years. I was watching something on television. I can't remember what it was, and but it was a French woman cooking, um, speaking in English. But she made the comment while she was cooking, because mm-hmm. you know, as people are cooking and they they mm-hmm. talk, that she she feels that the reason why women live longer than men is because women traditionally have cooked because mm. we have projects and we have it's therapeutic mm. or it's meditative mm. or it's you know I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to make pastry because I'm making an apple pie tomorrow yeah. so it's like a project and a purpose for and that. a purpose yeah. Yeah. you know I've got That's six really people interesting. or eight I've people I've never heard that yeah. yeah and it was really it sat with me I just thought wow that makes sense it to me it does make a lot of sense right it, but yeah. then I told then I must have been here in the office the next day and I was podcasting with the scientist it was non-fiction and I told her the story and she was so insulted. Mm-hmm. She said that I was putting women in a um, in a stereotype, and I said, "No, no, not at all, not at all, not at all." It, yeah. I mean, we, and you can't take that away from me. If I like cooking, I like cooking. Like you know, that's, that's not. It. It, it comes from the heart. But my husband has started. I've pulled back from cooking a bit um, because of all the writing. Yeah, and I think I was a little bit controlling in the kitchen, and so. <laughs> He's, he's taken to cooking and and he will finish work at six o'clock and happily cook for another hour yeah, because he finds you. it so therapeutic. That's right. Do you know what I also love is being in a kitchen with somebody that loves cooking and cooking side by side. Yes. I find yes. there's a real intimacy there in that. Is. There, there is. Isn't there? There's a connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't agree at all that that's... Yeah, yeah. Mm. I got into big trouble from her. But anyway, no, there we go. No, I'm not uh, on the same page there. <laughs> no, love good. it. 
<laughs> okay, tell me about the book and how that came about and when you left your boring job. <laughs> yes, so, okay, so I'm um, I'm 40, I've nearly died. I, I started writing. <laughs> You've done a lot. <laughs> I've done a lot. I started, uh, I started writing in my, I was in hospital for a week. I started writing a uh, film, a script for a short film for my brother-in-law's 40th. Wow. I just started writing and... Uh, while you were in hospital? While I was in hospital. Okay. I don't, and I didn't, I didn't even, do that. I didn't even think about it. Uh, I just did it. But I'd always wanted to write a novel, even when I was a teenager, but it just sort of went way into the back of my mind while I was raising you were children. Busy. I was too busy. I wasn't yeah. actually even reading many books yep. when I had children. I, I sort of went in full bore into mothering. Um, my my mother-in-law had seven children wow. and when she came to help me with my second, she watched me for a day and said, you make having children look hard. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say look easy. <laughs> she had seven. So I think I, I don't know what I was doing. I was, you know, fiddling around with food. I don't know. Yeah. But, so it seemed to take me a lot of time. So I didn't have a lot of spare time. Um, but have so, you had any spare time in your life? I don't no, have spare really. time and I not don't have really. children. <laughs> I've never had children. No, I'm not good at having spare time. time. No, I'm not good no. at it. No. no. So, so in my forties, I and so the whole brush with death thing, it just made me. It just came home to me that how the regret I would feel if I hadn't given the whole novel thing a go. Yeah. And and we, for the book, I researched a lot of books on dying. And apart from saying people having to tell people they love them that they yeah. haven't told, it's this. Thing, it's talking about the regret of the thing you knew you had in you. And yeah. I knew I had it in me. Mm. I sort of did. I'd always mm. fiddled around with writing. and But it still took me a long time. So in my 40s, I started fiddling with writing as well as... I was still cooking for a lot of parties. I, yeah. I wasn't actually a professional caterer. I just sort of threw myself on friends if they were having a 40th or a 50th. Or I do that too. And say, can I do your party? <laughs> I and do I, that yeah, too. And I, I would do weddings eight, for my yeah, friends. Eight courses yeah. for 80 people. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, but what I started to realise was I was going to a party where I was doing a ridiculous amount of food. I'd done all the preparation, but as you know, you've still got to pull it out of the bag on the night. And um, I was in the car with my husband and I said to him, oh, I just feel so tired. And then I said, oh, that's okay. Uh, I'll be all right once the adrenaline kicks in. And then I've gone, oh, hang on, I don't have any of that. (laughs) And I think it was a moment I sort of told myself, hey, you might be choosing a difficult path here when you don't have that. Uh, I take steroid three times a day. I don't have a natural right. uh, cortisol um, mm. response. Mm. So I'm not going to be stressed. Mm. Under stress, you your pituitary gland calls your adrenal mm. glands to produce more cortisol. I can't do that. I get vague. Right. Right. So, Which is interesting because JFK had this disease oh, and they wow. kept it a secret because they thought they didn't want the world to know that the person with his... Mm. Finger on the with the mm. nuclear code didn't deal with stress, mm. and they also think Jane Austen oh, wow. died of Addison's disease, which gives wow, me a sort of comfort. This is good company, right? Connection <laughs> yeah. for terminal illness. Yeah, you're I'm in loving good that. Cup. Yeah, I sort of started fiddling with writing. I didn't have much confidence. I mm. didn't know what I wanted to write, and so I started with the idea of writing a cookbook with right. writing around it. Um, right. I started doing that and then realised that it was the writing I preferred to the recipes. So it was a very gradual thing. Mm. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honouring highly requested new colours for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
ChumbaCasino.com/acast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's yeah. how Nigella came to writing, oh. uh, to cooking through writing. Yes, yes. She's a journalist. Yes, of course. Yeah. She writes beautifully, I yes, think. Yes, she does. You know, I've had her around for dinner. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Are you serious? <laughs> you are a good cook. <laughs> no. It was a well, connection. that would be a dream. It was fun. It was great fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, oh, so, um, <laughs> so it dread, and then, then it became a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funeral catering idea did come, did form the oh, wow. the, the crux of it because I nearly became a funeral caterer. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, because of the practicalities of yeah. funeral catering, we had that uh, a discussion. A friend of mine said to me once, you know, can I just ask you a favour? And I said, sure. She said, when I die, because she's a lot older than me, she said, when I die, can you do the sandwiches? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love like that? Yes, I can. <laughs> I love that. My girlfriend said to me. If I die suddenly, can you go into my house and clean out my drawers so nobody oh, sees how messy I am? Oh, I and know. I said, yes, I will. Yeah. <laughs> See, I felt a little bit of shame around that when I was in hospital. My sisters had to go home and get me stuff. Yeah, and don't I waste your time go, on shame. I don't. Anymore. I know. I know. I was like, oh, gosh, they've opened my drawers. Yeah, and, they'd be, and they'd probably think, oh, good, she's as messy as me. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so... So anyway, so I, I actually, uh, The Wakes isn't my first novel. I wrote oh, another novel and right. it sits in my bedside. But The Wakes is your first published? Exactly, yes. yes. The other one sits in my bedside table drawer and yes. I've heard about other writers. I spent about five years on it. Wow. And when I realised I was putting it in a drawer, it was mm. devastating. Mm. Um, but the best thing I've ever done, it, I agreed for a weekend mm-hmm. and then I picked myself up and thought, okay. Mm. I like off, your tenacity. Off I go yeah. again. And yeah. uh, But the funeral catering was in the first one, so I pulled that idea out, but it's a completely different story, completely different characters. Right. I was I was in the first one masquerading as fiction, which is another reason why it wasn't working. Yeah. And uh, my sister read the first one and she knew what was... So I had a lot of stuff with my mother I needed to write about. Mm. And my sister read the first one and said... It took off when you started making it up, mm. and I really learned. The, wow, that's such good advice. Yeah, the freedom of, of fiction mm. that some, when you're writing truth, you can feel a bit constrained by, and weighed down, and weighed down, and you overthink things. Um, I, well, I just needed that sort of freedom, and mm. and I loved that. And mm. so the 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 wakes I wrote in my fifties. And I'd got a few rejections for the first one. but they So were... tell me about how you did that. Like, I wrote, sounds easy, one hell <laughs> of a hard thing to do, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. are so hard to write. They oh, are so gosh. hard to write, yeah. yeah. But I think when you've got the bug from what I've seen, mm-hmm. people can't stop You either. can't stop. It, it, life doesn't seem worth living if you're not writing. It no. just keeps you alive. So yeah. what approach did you take to completing a novel? Was it, you know, 1,000 words a day? Was no. it nine to five? Was it, not tell me all. about Very, work. very happy. I think because I still, <laughs> I dream of not being haphazard, but 
uh, I think because I still didn't feel legitimate. I don't know the word. I, I still felt like uh, a phony. I and I'm sure on my yes, and I'm sure on my friends are thinking, what is she doing? Yeah. I still didn't. It still wasn't priority. So oh. because I didn't feel, I, I, I'd do everything else in my life first. I'd make sure the house was right, the kids oh. were right. Uh, I was supporting my husband who was oh. bringing in the money and allowing me to. Oh. I was. Uh, I'd look after our dog. Everything, and then I would write. And by it, then it's 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so it was like that for a few years. In the middle of it, I, I helped my husband out in his company because someone left. We worked together for two years. Wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then, then after a while, when I got a certain way down, with I started thinking, oh, I might have something I really want people to read. I, yeah. I started feeling I, I wanted to create a piece of art, a, a something of beauty. I just wanted to put something in the world and I started to feel I was close. That's when I got gave it priority mm. because you'd be the same a bit now, I think. Once mm. you ha- you come mm. close to dying, you 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 have a, such a um, strong mm. knowledge of your vulnerability mm. and how frail, mm. fragile life is. And I really thought I could turn a corner any day. That's mm. I just have that knowledge. It doesn't make me depressed mm. in any way. But no. I thought, oh. I've looked, this novel's nearly finished and something could happen and I won't get it finished and that would be terrible. So mm. that's when I Gives it managed emergency. to get this unwieldy thing yes. and really work hard. Yeah. On, and, and and that's also when I had the courage to give it to someone to read. I hadn't let anybody read it, not even right. my husband. And who did you give it to read? Well, that's where the where I had this wonderful trip to publishing. I It was the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. and I was in the park with my dog and this lady, this friend I hadn't seen for years, she was the mother of one of the friends of my all daughter. The, all the best deals happen in the park with in your dog. In the dog park. I've got a all dog. All my best moments. Yep. Yep. So she walked up and to me. And great friendships. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because dog, dog people are the best dog people. people. Aren't they? Aren't they? <laughs> uh, she walked up to me and said, how's that novel you've been writing going? Yeah. And I said, well, actually, I've just finished it. And I'd sent it at the very to a couple of to about three or four agents, uh, right. you know, terrible time to be sending off a novel when the world mm. is just implode. Feels like it's coming to the end, and we I, just didn't know. We didn't know, and publishing mm. didn't. Nobody knew. No. Everything was closing, and I got some a couple of lovely rejections, yeah. uh, just a couple, and I just thought, oh, this is such a weird road to go down where yeah. you send things off unsolicited. And so when she said that, I said, I just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, and she, and we had a good chat, and then she generously said her sister's best friend, the author Suzanne Daniel, yeah. a close friend, I don't know the best friends, had published a novel the year before. She'd won the Indie Debut Novel of the Year Award. Wow. Uh, she was my age. And I said, could I talk to her? Could I just ask her, her advice on what I should do? And this friend Sally put us in contact. Oh, wow. So that was the very the first generous. generous step. The yep. next one was Suzanne was incredible. So we talked for about even an hour. Even more generous than the friend. Talked, yeah. Even more generous. We talked for an hour. She loved the sound premise of the novel. And at the end of the conversation, she said out loud, sort of like she was thinking, How can, what can I do to help you? Isn't that good? And she oh, said, I love that. how about I read it? And the coward in me Because you can't even ask people. You it's can't. So, it's, it's such a huge yes, thing to ask someone. Yes. But the coward in me nearly said, no, don't worry. <laughs> and, but I, um, I said, oh, that would be great, thanks. Oh. And it's so generous because she was yes. writing her second book. Yeah. Time is, and they get sent so much. So much. Yeah. Uh, you'll be you'll be sent so I much. I already am. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is, I, I found the whole thing so stressful. I had sort of an Addison Addisonian attack afterwards yeah, because okay. of the extreme emotion. After but, you sent it to her, 
after the phone call, the first oh, phone wow. call. Oh, wow, lovely. But, um, yeah. Anyway, I printed it off at uh, Officeworks and sent it off and she got the ball rolling. Suzanne loved it. She, oh, wow. she got halfway through and said, I think you... You're got something, something. Yeah. and she said, "Gets a little bit dense in the middle," which, and I knew exactly what. Well, that's it editorial. Yeah, mm-hmm. I fiddled with that, but she said, "I her advice was to give it to a professional editor." Yeah, to give me okay. a reader's report. Yeah, so that's what I. It took me a while to. The first one couldn't do it. She gave me a name, and I got. She couldn't. Do it. Yeah. Third one, we booked in. Uh, she did it reasonably quickly, and Diane Blacklock, uh, right. great copy editor. Um, and we were on – she just loved it. She said, yeah. I think you've got a gem. And said, I'd really, I really think this should be published and you, there's, advise me on a few things. Um, but she and, – and there's my next act of generosity. She ran into a publisher at a book launch and oh. mentioned it to her. Yeah, wow. And she said, send the first 60 pages to this publisher and if she asks for more, that's when you can, might be able to get an mm. agent. Mm. So I sent off on a Monday, I sent off my 60 pages of my synopsis and I got, a, I got an email back on the Tuesday morning saying, received it, thanks very much. It'll take me a few weeks to read it. I've got a lot on my desk, but mm-hmm. I will get back to you. Mm-hmm. And that afternoon I was in the dog park again <laughs> and my email pinged and she'd read, she said, I read it all this morning, can I see the rest? Oh, uh, wow. That was my best moment, I think. Yeah. yeah I did yeah. a little dance, went up to strangers. Because yeah. there are so many moments. You there know, are so many moments, but can, I think that was the highlight. That's right, because you can get a public, uh, you can get an agent, but never be published. That's it. That's you know, it. and even getting an agent is a milestone. Yes. So there are so many. Many, so they? many. The path to publishing is, and it's not always linear. It's no. just it can be all over the place. You yeah. Know? I mean, my agent said I had a dream run, but it was that which I'm so grateful for. But it was that moment when a publisher of her caliber, yeah, liked it. Yeah, it was like oh, just a relief. Yeah, and that was a joy. Just, uh, and I think that I thought, well, that's enough. She yeah. liked it. That's enough. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm it done. Is enough. My work is done. Yeah, yeah. Then Suzanne stepped in the game with another act of generosity because I really admired her agent. I'd done some research on her. And mm. so I rang Suzanne and said, could I use your name in a letter to your agent because I now had this experience with a publisher? And she said, oh, look, I've got a ringer. How about I talk to her? Which, mm. you know, there's another. Mm. So I had the mm. agent within a few mm. days, mm. Uh, uh, Catherine Drayton, who's amazing. Mm. And then she, wonderful. she sent yeah. it out straight away. Because I'd over-edited. I think mm. I'd, mm. Uh, I've learned from that. Mm. I'd edited. I, I agree. I think that I, I, you know, I'm not a writer at all. But what I say to people is just do the writing and the editing. Mm. I think once a publisher agrees to look at it, they will help you with that. That's they, it. That's you know, it. but don't you love it how when you when you start working on it with a publishing house, everybody's championing. Oh, it's story. such a tea. Oh, it's Isn't so it wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely loved the editing process. I don't know. Looking back, I think I did a lot of editing. I made it very clean. And I don't know, it's like they do so few debuts, yeah. uh, publishers. So to get picked up as a debut. Oh, it's to, a huge accolade. And, yes. and, well, I think that did my editing help with that? I don't know, but I, I don't. I think I did too much. Yeah. I think I, I could have gotten out a lot yeah. sooner than I had. Yeah. And that would be my advice to yeah. first-time writers. To You've got to get that balance. Mm. But mm. because it was in such a good shape, Catherine said, uh, we don't need to do anything, I'm sending it straight out. So it was out. To, mm. So it all happened very quickly. Uh, uh, tell me about the the post publication process, like being out and about. 
post COVID. I mean, you're lucky. I am, and I I I do um, feel that every day. I have absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. I it started with pre-publication with great responses from other writers, which gave Mm. me a bit more uh, Mm. helped with the self doubt Mm. a lot. Gave me a bit more courage and confidence. Mm. And to see it on a shelf is just. Mm. Amazing. It is. It's just, and my friends and family send me photos all the time. I think yeah. my friends just expected it to be in one bookshop. Yeah. So when they find it in Wollongong or Albury or yeah. Queensland yeah. or wherever or they are, they go, bookshop. wow, yeah, yeah, the airport. Right. So yeah, I get yeah. lots of photos. I've got emails from complete strangers. And what strangers. about your connection with readers? I mean, that's It's awesome. just Yeah, talk wonderful. to me about that. Well, I get uh, you, people have contacted me directly mm. on my website saying I'm an avid reader and I've never contacted an author and just thanking me. It's what you do it for. Yeah. Uh, and See, this is what I say about social media and, you know, I mean, many years ago, maybe maybe a reader would have written your letter, but I think now there's a closer connection between writer and reader because it's so easy to communicate. Exactly. Was it, I, wasn't, I wasn't on social media at all. Right. I, I didn't. I just, you just I, didn't have time. I didn't have time for more <laughs> admin. And I also just love the, you know, I thought yes. I'll pick up a phone and talk to my friends. But I went on to Instagram and I, and so glad I did. Yes. The, the connectedness with other writers for yes. a start who Absolutely. are so supportive. What a generous, yeah. supportive industry. And when used well, it's a really good medium. Really, and I really, and it? I predominantly do book stuff on my Instagram, yeah. not so much personal, but yeah. uh, it's, it's just such a great place to get messages from people. Yeah. And I do food on mine and I guess oh, that, I won't come as, yes, <laughs> that won't come as a surprise. No. No. But some people just send a message saying, I just read the last page and just wanted to contact you. And oh, wow. that feeling is... Yeah. I mean, of course, there's reviews that aren't so great and you have to learn to balance that. Sure. But I'm do- I think I'm handling that quite well. I'm handling that. It is. You, you know, more and more you... Like the same exactly. Book. And more yeah. and more you, uh, you ex- realize, take yeah. that on board without any... Um, uh, reduction in your yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah. people you know. talk about this podcast they either like it or they don't and mm. you know mm. if you don't like it I'm really sorry go somewhere else mm. you know mm. but if you do please join me but the it's whole lovely. yeah, but yeah. The, the publication thing is a joy and uh, it's it, it just is reinforced how wonderful to have worked really hard on something yeah. to have given it that priority to work hard on it that it has been worth it yeah and so there'll be another oh yes I, yeah. I'll write till I. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Now. Okay, that's yeah. that's your career. Yes, it is. <laughs> Diane, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you much. I've loved, I've loved the chat. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hey. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.